Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Many Canadians have grown accustomed to the idea that the largest tech companies, you know, like Google and Facebook or Meta as it's now called, have collected vast amounts of data on all of us. But what does it mean when a chain like Tim Hortons, which describes itself as part of the fabric of Canada, but is essentially just a coffee and donut shop, is also in the data collection game? It's a question that my former colleague at the Financial Post, James McLeod, started investigating in 2019 after downloading the Tim Hortons app. I'm Gabe Friedman, and this week on Down to Business, I spoke to McLeod, who's since left journalism and now advocates on behalf of the Canadian tech sector about his 2020 investigation. It was back in the news after a government report confirmed what his article concluded, that Tim Hortons was violating Canada's privacy law and collecting vast amounts of data. As always, the interview is edited for clarity and brevity. Hi, James. It is a pleasure to have you on Down to Business. Thank you so much for joining me. It's great to be here. So I want to go back to 2019. You and I at the time, we were both working in the Financial Post newsroom in Toronto. And in my memory, at least, I seem to recall you often had a cup of Tim Hortons coffee nearby. Do you remember how this story came about? So I I did drink a lot of Tim Hortons coffee back in the day. Not so much now that I'm working from home. But uh, my routine was leave the house, go to the subway, take the subway to work. And there was a Tim Hortons right across the road that always had a line out the door. And I installed an app on my phone, the Tim Hortons app, where about a block out, I could put my order in and then kind of shimmy my way past everyone in the line up to the counter and they would just hand me my order and I would walk out past all of these people who were waiting to pay at the cash register. It was it was fast, it was convenient, it was great. Yeah, sounds awesome. And I was covering tech. I knew there was a data collection dimension to this. Like, if nothing else, they could sort of see my routine. They could see which days I did buy a coffee and which days I didn't buy a coffee. And I figured that part of the reason they liked the app is because they could see the data involved in it. But in September, October 2019, that's when I started to get an inkling that there was other sorts of tracking going on. Yeah, right. Like in the story that you wrote, you wrote, but I I only started to suspect there was something else going on when I got a notification on my phone, quote, Tim Hortons got your location in the background. This app can always access your location. Tap to change, end quote. And I guess that was the inkling for you that there might be something else here. Yeah, my phone is an Android phone. And Android has been slower than iPhones in terms of privacy updates. But in 2019, the latest version of Android started doing this thing where before that, apps could just check your location in the background and you'd never know. And it was a binary decision. You either gave them location access or not. And then they updated it to create these notifications and also change the settings so they could only check your location when the app was actually open. So that little notification 
gave me the hint that there was something going on. And because I was covering tech, I knew about this Canadian law called PIPEDA. Right. It's Canada's Personal Information Protection and Electronic Documents Act. Yes. So it's the privacy law. One of the things in that law is that if any organization holds any data about you as an identifiable individual, you can send them an email and say, hand over everything you've got. Wow. And they are required by law to do so. And so I sent an email to Tim Hortons and they sent me back all of this data that was in a sort of computer formatted way that was difficult to like it, it took some work to parse it and and organize it in ways that made sense to me but then it opened up into this like 2700 events logging my location and huh. and sort of tracking various things through the app the information that the Tim Hortons app had collected was kind of stunning the company handed over several spreadsheets of information to McLeod all about him. Their app could track how much juice was left in the battery on his phone, whether he had enabled Bluetooth, the amount of free space on his phone, and of course, his precise location on the surface of the earth down to a matter of feet. And they logged what they described as events, like whenever he went somewhere interesting, a Blue Jays game, that's an event, or his parents' house, or when he left Toronto, those were all events. By the time he stopped using the app, the company had a note on 2,700 separate events in James McLeod's life. So it's one thing to be aware that a company is collecting your data, but it's quite another thing to actually see that data. And I asked McLeod if he remembers what his reaction was like when he received the files. So like my initial reaction was opening it up and it was in this JSON format where it was just, it looked like computer code. Hmm. It, it took a while to sort of open it up and it, it very much felt like wandering around and picking up little bits of data and like, oh, that's interesting. And then go on, oh, that's really weird. And the, the <sighs> moment I had was we enlisted the help of a nonprofit called Open Privacy, which had technical expertise that uh, the Financial Post did not have. And they sort of did a lot of data analysis on it and shared the results. And in particular, they shared a map, Google Maps. They, they just like took all of the longitude and latitudes and plastered them on a Google map so I could see all of the locations that the Tim Hortons app had logged. And it was weird. Like, I mean, some of it, like you could see the cluster of pins around my home. You could see the cluster of pins around the office. Huh. But like my parents' house uh, out in the country, like, mm. like I, I never ordered Tim Hortons for my parents. But like, it's, it's like a 20-minute drive from any town. <sighs> wow. It was creepy ones. There was one pin on my ex-girlfriend's house. And wow. I I went and looked at it and it wow. logged the time I went to sort of see my ex-girlfriend. And yeah. it was just sort of like, this is, this is intimate detail. And looking at that map, the company probably doesn't even know what all of these dots mean, but I do. And they are a portrait of my life. In your story, one of the things I thought was interesting was what the company said to you when you called and were like, hey, you've been spying on me, I see now. And if I understood your story correctly, Tim Horton's chief corporate officer, Duncan Fulton, initially said users consent to this kind of tracking. But my sense is that he sort of walked that back after a bit. Yeah. And, and I mean, you know this as well as I do. This is 
normal in journalism where you go to a company and they kind of give you a, a line and then you sort of say, well, actually, I know this, that, and the other thing. And that doesn't, like, uh-huh. that's not exactly right. The argument was specifically on the point that, you know, when you open your phone and you can see all the apps that are running and you can like swipe up to dismiss one. Yeah. They were arguing that as long as app said, we'll only check your location when the app is running. And they were like, well, it's running in the background. So it's running. So we told them that we would check the location if it's running. And like, I, I went back and did some work and, and it basically called BS on that and, and then sort of, but, but that was sort of the initial smokescreen. And then, yeah, there was, there was some other stuff. McLeod's original story titled Double Double Tracking, How Tim Hortons Knows Where You Sleep, Work, and Vacation is published in the Financial Post on June 12th, 2020. Within a week, the government launches an investigation. And the reason we're resuming this story now is that the results of a joint investigation by the Officer of the Privacy Commissioner of Canada, in conjunction with provincial counterparts in Alberta, British Columbia, and Quebec, released the findings of their investigation on June 1st, so roughly two years after McLeod's article appeared. And the government report actually provides a critical context that can help us understand the state of corporate data collection circa 2019 and 2020. The the report that came out this week, one of the findings was that they didn't really use, even the geolocation data, which is like the core thing, they only really used that for some aggregated reports. They never started the sort of hyper-targeting on it. Hmm. But what was going on with all of these logs was that basically every time any sort of programming event happened with the app, they were just grabbing everything the phone would give them all of the status updates. So it was location, but it was also, yeah, battery, Bluetooth, what the operating system was. They were just collecting everything that the operating system would give them and then storing it and, you know, figuring out what, if anything, to do with it later. So this is all pretty complicated, but to reiterate some of what was said, the company never got around to targeting individuals with direct ads, but instead they used data for what he described as aggregated reports, which probably help them understand their overall customer's behavior. Now, Tim Hortons and its parent company, the Toronto-based restaurant brands International, they don't have the technical expertise to collect this data. So they outsource that to a company in New York. And they also store the information on Amazon web servers. This is all important because data collection in and of itself is a growing business. And we often talk about the biggest data companies, but it's much, much broader than that. It's important to note that like Tim Hortons and his parent company do not have this technical expertise. What what happened here is I can show you exactly when they enlisted the third-party services of a company called Radar Labs. And Radar is an American company whose whole business is exactly this kind of thing. And Tim Hortons put this software development kit module in the app where location data was just streaming to Radar Labs, and Radar was doing all of this processing on it and analysis. So like, if you keep pinging a phone in its same location at 3 in the morning, you can start to infer where someone lives. And if you keep pinging a phone at various hours of the day and it tends to be clustered around one building, you can call that a workplace. Like All of these, air quotes, events that were logged in the app, whether it's going to competitors, Every time I went more than 200 kilometers from Toronto, it generated an event that said I was traveling. 
uh, like all sorts of things like this. That was all the work of a third-party company. So as I mentioned, from a cloud, the Tim Hortons app logged 2,700 events. And one critical finding of the report was that in July of 2020, the Tim Hortons app had 1.6 million distinct users. And the app was generating about 10 events per user per day on average. So about 16 million events every day. When the country's largest coffee shop chain is tracking their customers' movement on that type of scale, you know you're living in a big data world. Uh, like the, the big picture here is, I, w- I was looking at this up last week, I, Google made $76 billion in profit last year at, at like double digit margins. Oh my God. Collecting data and operating a platform is a spectacularly profitable business. And it's something that basically everybody else, just as a keeping up with the Joneses thing, has to also embrace. So like this is Tim Hortons, like they've got an app, they're enlisting the support of a company like Radar Labs. And they did it sloppily. The language in the app was beyond misleading. It was just untrue. It, It said one thing and was doing another in terms of like when they were checking your location. But at its core, what happened here, which we now know from these privacy commissioners report, is that they were just collecting all of this data and doing all of this analysis, and they never really used it. Ultimately, they were planning on using this for sort of, similar to Google, targeted offers. You open the app, and and they're trying to upsell you on things. They're trying to use your behavior to like nudge you to spend more money. But they never really got to that point with it. And then the story broke, and it was this classic thing where you know, immediately after the story broke, Tim Horton said, well, we're, we're shutting this down and we're, you know, changing the language in the app and everything. But basically, huh. as soon as they were caught red-handed, they stopped doing it. And I mean, that tells you everything you need to know about the legality of it. Yeah. And let me ask you a question, right? As someone who sort of understands data collection a little better than most, what are the chances that someone else has been collecting data like this on most people's smartphones without them knowing? 100%. Like the, the privacy commissioners were asked exactly this question at the news conference. And they, they very much said, yes, we absolutely believe there are other companies doing this who just haven't been caught yet. And, and the enforcement and regulatory systems are not there for meaningful scrutiny to prevent that from happening. Right. But it, there is so much going on behind the curtain where Yes, data is bought and sold. Yes, it is licensed and shared in all sorts of weird ways. Once it's off your device, it could be anywhere. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned that Tim Hortons never really had the savvy to know how to use this data. Do you think in the next 10 years or so, we're going to see companies get increasingly sophisticated about this and feel some of this data collection come back to bite us maybe a little bit? Maybe it's used for insurance purposes to raise your rates or something like that. I mean, where does all this lead? So I, I think that ultimately all of this leads to, like this story does damage to Tim Hortons and its brand. But the more frustrating thing to me is, is that it is corrosive to technology as a whole. You are now looking at every app on your phone and wondering if they are tracking you in, you know, uncomfortable ways. 
and they're sharing your data with who knows. There is just a level of simmering paranoia and distrust and dissatisfaction out there with the technology we use that is, it's, it's a problem. It is a mainstream conversation now, and it is just growing. And nobody wins from this. This is all, to me, short-term thinking. This is companies trying to generate revenue growth in the, the next year or two without thinking about sort of the long-term. And I think there needs to be legislation, regulation, oversight, and there needs to be trust built into the system. And right now, it's just not there. And this story will only further undermine trust in you know, tech companies and uh, smartphone apps. And that's unfortunate because like, these are powerful tools that are really good for us in lots of ways. But uh, we need sort of to build the regulatory systems to you know, make it a trustworthy system. Now we're going to pause a minute for a short break. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. There is some legislation in Canada already governing data, probably more than other countries. And there's some that's being potentially put forth in the near future. Do you have an opinion or an evaluation of what needs to happen and what may happen? So this is going to be a little bit high concept, but bear with me. Okay. I think the place we ultimately need to get to is rejecting user consent as the main sort of central principle in all of these technology relationships. Sure, you and I click I accept on terms of service every day without reading them. And even like I I occasionally do read them because I'm that sort of geek. Yes. And it is not at all clear what they're doing. (laughs) It is written in vague, broad language that says they can use your data for marketing purposes. That gives them enormous latitude to do all sorts of stuff. And none of it is meaningful consent because we have no way of seeing behind the curtain to all of the stuff that is actually going on and how these systems actually work. And, And the analogy that I've heard other people use and I really like is data isn't about consent, it's environmental. And so imagine there was a coal plant in downtown Toronto somewhere, and it was spewing black smoke into the air. Okay. You could say that the people who choose to live near that coal plant, they know the smoke is there. They know the arsenic's in, in the atmosphere. That you know, Maybe you put up signs that warn people about the, the condition in the air. And you know, if they get sick, well, they consented to it. You know, it's fine. Uh, or like they could have chosen to move somewhere else. That's the wrong way of thinking about that. At a certain point, we just say that, you know, pumping certain kinds of pollutants into the air is not acceptable. And we regulate things as being out of bounds. And and similar to the coal plant, with a lot of these things, 
the way data is collected affects more than just the people that data is collected on. A company may know very little about you, but if it knows a lot about people who look like you, then it can target ads at you in the same way. Right. And the sort of collective insight they have can be deployed against you whether or not you consented to them collecting any information about you. And so I think we need to move beyond this idea that everything is okay because there is this notional user consent and people understand and accept the trade-offs. I think that this is a, a large enough issue and it has implications all the way up to like national security and democratic legitimacy with our elections to sort of equity and inclusion issues with sort of the makeup of our society. Dealing with these things really requires a broad rethink and, you know, deciding what our values are as a society and what's okay and defining those parameters and then letting companies go and be companies, you know, I, like I am a capitalist, like go forth and compete and, you know, profit and do all the things like I love innovation and I want companies to be hustling and inventing new things. But I think drawing some lines and saying this is out of bounds, this kind of tracking, this kind of data collection is not OK. It's not our Canadian values is a good conversation to be had. One question I have about that. When you start drawing lines and saying, okay, you can't track geolocation, I think the sort of general pushback from companies has been the technology is evolving so fast, we're still just learning how to use it. Don't make any rules just yet because this is just going to push all this data collection underground or into another country, in which case we won't be able to control it or something like that. What stage of this technology are we at? I mean, like, like we are at the, at the stage where pretty much everyone has a smartphone, right? Like, like this, this stuff isn't new. Like if, if you have apps on your phone, you're not the cutting edge. You are like anybody. And at a certain point, I, I would flip it around and sort of say, this stuff is still moving fast. This is a dynamic and a complex environment. And what we need is people in government who are sophisticated and thoughtful and engaged in these issues. And the idea that government should just not be in the picture as this stuff moves fast is a recipe for getting left behind. We, we desperately need capacity in government from people who are sophisticated thinkers and talkers about this. There are some people like that. We need way more. And... Uh, yeah, like I, some of that is like regulation. Some of that is just engaging in ongoing conversation and understanding what's happening. McLeod actually wrote an article for the Financial Post about what he learned. And one of his top line conclusions was that basically you can have all the privacy laws you want, but there needs to be enforcement to make these laws effective. In this particular case, absent his investigation for the Financial Post, for all we know, Tim Hortons would still be collecting data on all its app users without their knowledge, without their consent, and no one would be any the wiser. Like Tim Hortons faced no fines as a result of this. And like the privacy commissioners directly said, this is because the law doesn't allow us to. They absolutely wanted to find this company if they had the power to do so. And I, I think that is an important point to be made about 
just, you know, the state of regulation. Like that's just the lowest of the low hanging fruit. And a follow-up question for you about that. I did read that there's like four class actions against Tim Hortons over this. So that speaks to like conceptually where we're at, because like on a conceptual level, what's happening there is that user consent is the organizing principle and user consent was misused and violated. And therefore, it is incumbent not on the regulator, but on the user's to sue for damages under the law. And when you think about it rationally, you're like, that's not how that system should work. But <laughs> it's slow, it's cumbersome, and it's it's based on like that specific sort of user consent versus environmental values, society-based regulatory framework. That's what's going on right there. That's interesting. I mean, you don't have any sense, I guess, about sort of like whether those lawsuits will be successful or whether there's a precedent or anything. I I, I mean, what I would say is that the headline of the Privacy Commissioner's news release was that Tim Hortons broke the law. Okay. Clear black and white finding that this wasn't misuse or like stretching things or this isn't shaming a company for doing something that was maybe in bounds but a reach they they found that this company broke the law right and uh, who can anticipate the mind of a judge at the end of the process may get to a settlement but like i i think yesterday probably put the um the lawsuits in a much stronger footing i guess in some ways my conclusion from all this is that many people have grown inured to data collection. It's this invisible infrastructure that we all know exists and it's part of our economy. It's a practice that corporations in all sectors are doing. McLeod discovered that Tim Hortons was basically collecting as much data as it could and then, after the fact, trying to decide what it would do with all that data. You can bet that over the next decade, companies are only going to grow more sophisticated in how they collect data and what they do with it. One last thing, if you're wondering what happened to Tim Horton's app, they still have one, and you can get a sense for their data collection on Apple's App Store. There's a little note that says they're collecting financial information, location, identity, and a variety of other things. So hopefully everyone's a little bit wiser about all of this. That's our show for this week. Thank you so much for listening and for supporting Down to Business. Sharing episodes, rating us on your podcast app makes a huge difference, and we appreciate it. Thanks to Bryce Hall, who composed and performed the original music on this show and produced it. Thanks to Pamela Heaven, Victoria Wells, and Noella Ovid for their web support and editing. I'm Gabe Friedman, and I'll be back next week with a new episode of Down to Business. Until then, you can find all your business news at financialpost.com.